Podcast 040. Review of the movies Supersize Me and Fathead. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. Uh, they sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. All right, so I've, I've, I've got a joke. And, and uh, so there's these, uh, these two old people. They're like in their 80s, and they're, they're married. And they're sitting out on the front porch. And, and then uh, they're rocking in their rocking chairs. And then uh, a little time passes, and then the woman gets up and kind of slowly hobbles over to the man, and then, bam, knocks him clean out of the chair, onto the ground. And she says, that's for 60 years of lousy sex. And then she hobbles back to her chair and gets back in it and starts rocking again. And the old man, he gets up, and, and he gets back into his chair, and they're both rocking, and they're rocking. And then, and then the old man gets up out of his chair, and he goes over to the old woman, and bam, knocks her clean out of the chair and out of the ground. And he says, that's for knowing the difference. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? What does that have to do remember with? Remember when we went outside and I took the rocking chair out there and I was sitting in the rocking chair and I was rocking and I, then I remembered that joke? Oh, okay. Thanks for sharing. It's, it's good think. to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so today we're going to watch two movies. And and I've been pestering you about these two movies for two months now. Mm-hmm. And of course, to watch two movies—that's a huge chunk of time. And and in a way, you're kind of—I mean, that's you're kind of wasting a big slice of the day. And 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 the other thing is, I was saying, and we can't watch the two movies in the evening because because then by the time we can actually do the podcast, we'll be all sleepy and dopey and and it'll be a sucky podcast. And if we wait till the next day, we won't remember it as clearly and as well. And this is important. So, right. It, it all started uh, um, when we were having all that stuff a couple months back with um, all the science people on Permian. Now, granted, we got we got a lot of science people that are still there and are making awesome contributions. We're we're like really a lot of great discussion, a lot of great topics. And we had some people there that would use the word science as a weapon. And say, in the name of science, I hereby club you to death. Um, and say, my I, my my position beats your position because I'm claiming uh, science is on my side, and therefore you can't claim that science is on your side. And I win, neener neener. And it reminded me of two movies that I saw that that really did a good job of this. And and um, uh, the first movie that we're going to watch is a movie that when I first saw it. I, I I saw it because so many people saw it and loved it and told me how awesome it was and how incredibly excellent it was. And so, well, okay, I want to see this then. I you know I enjoy a, a really it's a documentary, and um, it's Super Size Me, which is an older film. I'm sure a lot yeah. of listeners have have watched it. So what, 2002, 2003, something like that. So, um, and and uh, somebody's trying to call you on your phone, but they're just going to have to rot. <laughs> right. right. So, um, um, 
the thing, and when I saw it, I thought it's utter crap. And and everybody who I told that to was very upset because they loved the movie, and obviously I was a fool for not being able to appreciate such an excellent movie. And um, yet I I seemed to, it seems to not deter me. <laughs> so I, I proceeded to alienate. I'll bet you I, I've alienated fifty people by telling them one at a time how I feel the movie is crap. And a lot of it's because people come to me and they want to know how I feel about things, only I guess they want me to only utter a particular answer. Like they, they, they know the answer. Sometimes they'll ask me a loaded question, like the question comes with the answer built in. Didn't you just love that movie? <laughs> well, I, you know, and we'll talk about this, but I think the point they were trying to make in the movie is what people appreciated. Though I think the way they went about making their point, I can see where you would see uh, holes and, you know, see lots of fallacies and lots of uh, conclusions being drawn where they shouldn't be. And, and, and we'll get into those a little bit more. But um, so the second movie is another one that talks about how science was used to prove some things that were erroneous. Well, basically, I mean, it's it's a it's a movie. Um, I guess one of the reasons why I really enjoyed the second one is that it spends a lot of time bashing the first one, hmm. and uh, and it's it's a response to it, and it has a lot more scientific background. And while I do not agree with the second movie completely, I I do agree with a lot of it, and it is it it, it is it makes a lot more sense, and it's a lot more rational. And the second movie is logic. Fathead. Fathead. And uh, although when you look at the title, because fathead is all one word, you could pronounce it fathead. <laughs> fathead. Okay, you could. So, yeah, so, go uh, ahead. Uh, go ahead. But now, okay, so we are now probably a third of the way through the first movie, and it's pissing me off so much that I just wanted to stop and then start the podcast. And because and, the, the things we're seeing are just painfully ridiculous. And so one of the points that they made was like, you know, okay, obesity is tied to this uh, these 16 different horrible, awful, diseasey things, such as diabetes and you know the heart thing and the mm-hmm. the, the uh, Picos made a show there, and I mean like they, so they, all these different things, and and and, and, uh, and and so basically they're trying to tie in that you know obesity. In fact, one of the logical points that they tried to make was that. Um, uh, something like, uh, hey, uh, we didn't have this obesity problem before, so what's new? Well, what's new is, is people are going to McDonald's more. Therefore, McDonald's is the problem. And I was thinking, well, you know what? How about cell phones? You know, cell phones weren't around before. You should go and sue the cell phone companies. They're making you fat, and you're getting sick, and and all that stuff. But you know what? I think another thing is, is because uh, McDonald's was around for like what a hundred years, uh, uh, maybe only seventy years, but people weren't so fat then. And that's another thing too. I think that there was obesity. What if you just well? Anyway, I think the second movie is going to get into that a little bit. I I wonder about GMOs. Right. Well, that can't. I, I mean, you're touching on a bunch of different things. I wasn't clear that we were going to go this much into this right now, but but. You know, the point of the movie is they're trying to draw, they were talking about a lawsuit, and they're trying to connect fast food 
restaurants as causing obesity, and they're trying to find a link there, and that if you really ate three meals a day at a fast food restaurant, you would become obese. But there's a lot more going on here. He's he's set up certain rules that require him to eat in an unhealthy way at fast food, or, or the most unhealthy way at the fast food places, and he's reducing his physical exercise, He's actually taking cabs in New York City instead of walking. He's doing a lot of things to make what he's doing basically as unhealthy as possible. He's trying to match these choices that a lot of Americans are making that is leading to their obesity, which has a lot more to do with than just eating at fast food. Um, it's, it's, it's what he's eating at the fast food. It's limiting his exercise, and then um, they were talking about these young children with their livers looking really bad and and starting to have all this scarring in their livers. It's like pre-cirrhosis of the liver in children, and they're blaming it on the fast food and the sugar and stuff like that. But there's a lot of other things that damage the liver, like Paul was saying the GMOs, and there's actually, if you have some other issues, um, and illnesses, those can um, weigh heavily on the liver, according to a doctor I've talked to. So there's there's so many other things going on here that it's it's the logic is flawed that it's all fast food. And well, and or that it's even that fast food has that big of a role in it. I mean, I think that these are problems, and these problem it is good to get our heads wrapped around these problems and solve these problems. But I feel like this is a red herring. Right. Well, I thought the biggest point, the the biggest eye-opener to me with Supersize Me is the quantities. Um, that, that somehow we've made it acceptable to have big gulps and to have these supersize me and have these huge portion size and quantity sizes and we've we've decided that's normal and I do think that's part of the problem but I don't think that's just fast food I mean there's there's other restaurants that do that there's the big gulp at 7-eleven which isn't you know which is a different type of fast food but it's not a fast food restaurant and there's um, just how people eat in front of television. Michael Pollan goes into all of his food rules and, and how in America we do so many things to overeat and eat poorly. And I think Pollan... It's, it's a lot more than just McDonald's. I think Pollan's more on top of it than mm-hmm. Spurlock. I think Spurlock is n- n- lost. Well, it was a sensational way to go about things, you know, and then a lot of it's it's people love to blame blame the big corporations. So this was like cool. Yeah, let's right. let's blame McDonald's. They're the biggest one. Right. Let's and, go get them. And yeah. you know, I and I'm 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 concerned that um, uh, I I would really like to get my head wrapped around. I think a better would be an, uh, a, a video or a, a documentary that would be a hundred times better than this stinking piece of shit would be something that would that would go in and measure the toxicity of McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and mom and pop burgers and another mom and pop burgers and another mom and pop burgers, you know, and and then um, and then let's also go and measure uh, different kinds of uh, 
working conditions and and insurance and stuff like that. And I and I'd I'd like to get it down to the point where it's like okay, you know, this one came out seven percent better than the other one, or or something like that. Um, uh, let's do a side by side comparison. But, but but you know, another thing that they're leaving out is hey, if you're going to go, if it's lunchtime in your area, and there he is in New York City, it's lunchtime, and you go out and you get a burger and fries at McDonald's, I wonder how that compares to staying inside the building and getting a lunch out of the vending machine where it's going to be a hostess fruit pie and uh, a couple of cookies and uh, uh, a Snickers bar. Um, and you know, and, well, and then throw a pop onto both of those meals too. Um, I'd like to have that comparison. Now, granted, I, 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 you know, I buy almost exclusively organic, and I eat out a fair bit. But and I try, try, try to go to places that are local and organic. And I, and but I, you know, I when it, when the time comes that I'm traveling, I can't find it. I stop at McDonald's. And I, I do that because I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, heard, I've been bombarded with bullshit about how McDonald's is worse than your mom and pop shop. But frankly, I think, a, I think McDonald's is probably way ahead of the game compared to most fast food mom and pop shops or even the others. But when you stop, you try to go for the protein and you don't drink the pop, and and a lot of times you don't even get the French fries, and I mean you're going right. You're going for the quick, fast protein while you're on the road, right? And not and not as much about you know gosh the pop is just disgusting. So yeah. Well, and and I think you know a lot of people enjoy the pop. I used to when I remember being a, a kid. And and I, 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 I really enjoyed the pop. I loved that pop. I drank a lot of Mountain Dew when I was a little kid, and uh, um, and I remember um, uh, my my my. I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast before, but um, my choice to be a software engineer is rooted in an event when I was 11 years old that involved Pepsi Cola. Oh yeah, you know the story. I've told you, you the told story. You've told me, but not okay. on a podcast. Yeah. There I was. It was it was spring roundup, <clears throat> and uh, um, my job was to get the cows to go through the chute. And we had about 500 head that we had to process. And then it's like you know the the cows, the calves, everything went through the chute. And um, the uh, uh, and they're all going to get you know some were going to get branded, some were going to get some kind of shots, and some were going to the the a lot of the uh, the the young bulls were going to walk out young steers and um and that's a whole other gross story for another day but but my job was and so um it was a hot day and there's a garbage can about 18 feet from where i stood that was full of ice and bottles of ice cold sweet pepsi cola and um and there i was and standing behind a cow I was about I was about ten feet behind that cow, which was about the range that that cow had. That it, when it's nervous, it could shoot shit about that far. So I was trying to be just a little bit out of the range, but it's around the corner, and and it's kind of like, well, I, it's kind of where I have to stand. And I'd put on my winter coveralls because they pretty much cover 
like all of me. And I was literally covered head to toe. Every inch of me, except for maybe my back, was covered in shit. And because I'd stand behind these animals and they would squirt it back onto me because they're nervous and they're freaking out a little bit. And, and, you know, my job was to keep them calm and keep them moving despite the fact that I'm getting covered in shit. And um, so if I wanted to go and get, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't be able to go get a pop because they're, you know, I'd have to get out of the chute, which would be contrary to my mission. But if I could, then um, I'm, since I've got crap on my lips, on my face, on my sleeves and on my hands, there's, there's no way I could wipe the crap off of my face to enjoy a pop. So as I'm standing there in the chute, and there's an animal in front of me waiting its turn, sort of, kind of freaking out, looking at the animal ahead of it, which is currently being processed, um, I have a few minutes until I have to go get the next one. And, um, uh, and so I'm thinking to myself, as it's very, very hot, and I'm in my winter coveralls, that somewhere there is somebody sitting in an office that's air-conditioned, and they have a, a sweet, cold Pepsi-Cola on their desk, and they're doing something that's desk work, and they are not covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, so they can drink the Pepsi. And, and they, do this, they do this all day. In fact, when they do this, they work eight hours, and then they go home, as opposed to a farm worker <laughs> who, who is kind of like, you know, you're there, you're, you're getting up at 5 a.m. and you're going at it all day long and, until you're going to bed around 8, you know. Well, it does seem like around, around 6 or 7, we, we did call it a day, you know. Um, but anyway, still, their work day was shorter and they sat on their butts. And, um, uh, and somehow that seemed awesome to me. <laughs> and uh, uh, next thing you know, I was at school and I was way ahead of the other kids uh, in math, and so um, they allowed me to go across the hall uh, to a high school room where the teacher had the, uh, during the math in my class, the teacher across the hall was a high school teacher who had like a off period where they could, I don't know, get their wits together or something. Um, you know, and, and I was allowed to go in there, and they had a brand new computer, and I can go in there and futz with it while the other kids in my class are, catching, are, are doing their math, and I'm already done. So um, <clears throat> That's how you got going in computers. Yeah. And somehow things come full circle because now you like the farming again. Right, and then it was like uh, 1994, I think it was, when I got totally obsessed with horticulture and gardening mm -hmm. and... and uh, and then before long, I'm going so bonkers about it. I um, my fantasy is I called it the uh, the cows and chickens plan, mm -hmm. and um, uh, and I just needed to go back there and just had a powerful need. So this was a sidetrack about Pepsi. We were talking. I was saying that the pop is awful, and I think that's a big right. part of the problem. You can eat it fast. Well, and and you know, part of what's happening with this movie is that they're. I think what they're advocating is is something like you know suing McDonald's for getting fat is okay, 
And I don't know, are they going to try and regulate McDonald's? Are they going to try and force McDonald's to serve certain kinds of foods or something? And, and my thinking is, is that that's, that's all wrong. And when we talk about how pop is bad, um, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, well, I agree. The, you know, I, the idea of getting a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi these days is something that I don't, I, I, does not appeal to me. And um, I don't think I've had either of those for, uh, I don't know, a year or better. I might have a Pepsi once a year, but um, not anything to the sizes that they're showing in here. But <clears throat> anyway, um, I think it's a space where it's, uh, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think the, uh, the, the high fructose corn syrup-based pop is still far better than the aspartame-based pop. Uh, you know, you, you talk about lesser of, of evils, right. you know. But anyway, the, the 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 logic that we've seen so far is so obnoxiously fucked up that um, I pity the people that believe the message that's being advocated in this. I I pity the people that enjoy this movie. They they are flawed in the head. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, if this is if you find this movie persuasive, then these are not the droids you're looking for. You are the weak-minded. You are the people that vote for the wrong things for the wrong reasons, and you're screwing everything up. Damn it! Well. I disagree with you. Okay. I do think there is value in this movie in showing um, how the portions have gotten out of whack. I think that's a valuable message and uh, that people just may not have realized because it crept up on them. I think showing that the portions are, are out of whack and also just kind of showing what can happen to your health if you do what the average Americans do, if you don't walk. You know, if you don't exercise, if you do overeat, I mean, he, there are consequences. We haven't gotten, I mean, both you and I have seen this movie already, the Super Size Me movie. Okay. And we're, we're re-watching it together. Um, and we haven't gotten to the end, but I do recall that at the end, he was suffering some health consequences from his choices. Right. We'll and get I, to that in a moment. And, and I think that's a valuable message. It's, it's not a fast food message. It's a life choice message. I mean, because you can eat, you can eat McDonald's style food at your home just as easily as you can at the fast food. I mean, there's bags of frozen potato, um, frozen French fries and potato chips. There's lots of people drink lots of pop at home. I mean, you can eat that way at home. I mean, you can buy little frozen sandwiches and breakfast sandwiches at Costco or your local Walmart or wherever and heat them up in your microwave and never leave your home and eat this way. So it's, it's, it, it does show how those choices can have consequences. So I do think there's value in that. Um, it's not the exact message of the movie, so I understand your frustration that it's, you know, uh, but I, I can understand why people found this valuable. I disagree with your point about portions. I, I think that um, basically the reason why the portions are bigger is because there was market for it. 
it's it's a matter of supply and demand, and good for them for offering larger portions as people um, made it clear that that's what they would pay for, that's what they wanted, that's what they bought. Um, more more power to them. Um, I do think that uh, uh, the uh, the portion that a lot of people are eating is much larger than um, what they should. You know, on the other hand, you know what? Uh, if a person somehow missed a bunch of meals in the day or whatever, and then they are powerful hungry, then, yeah, they will buy too much food and, and uh, ka-ching. Um, but on the other hand, maybe, maybe they get used to eating this really large meal every day for whatever reason, and, and they're doing it. Um, I don't, I, 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 I cannot object to that. I cannot object to the portion aspect of it. I, I support them selling these these much larger portions. I'm okay but, with that. Uh, but I I didn't say that they should stop selling large portions. I said it's about <clears throat> choosing large portions and building the awareness of the change in portions so that people and consumers making a choice understand that the portions are much larger than they used to be. I, I think for some people, they're just unconscious consumers and unconscious eaters and they're not thinking and making a conscious choice. So nowhere in me saying that was I saying McDonald's shouldn't sell supersized portions. I was just saying consumers should be aware. I'd like the idea of, I mean, first of all, I want, what I was, if we're going to talk about what ought to be or what should be or what consumers should buy or whatever, I'd like to ask that, you know, if McDonald's listens to this podcast, here's the thing that I would like to see. I'd like to see them cut back on GMOs, push organic. I, I kind of wonder if what they offer would be a meal where it's two hamburger patties and a side of green beans and a little bit of salad or something like that, and that's available as like a quick meal. That just seems so much better than the cheeseburger and milkshake or Coca-Cola or French fries option. I mean, to me, it's kind of like uh, when I think of, like, I want to, I mean, I, I, I'll go to McDonald's because I, I need it fast, but what I'd like to see them offer would be something that strikes me as more like what a dinner ought to be. How about, a, how about a two hamburger patties, green beans, and a salad? I mean, there could be something else, too, but it's like I don't, I like the idea of, uh, I mean, with Paul and stuff, I mean, he's talking about how the, the grain stuff has become such an issue for us. And I think he's, I think he's right about that. And um, I think that the GMO thing is a big issue. I wonder if people had food that did not have GMOs and, and just had better flavor, better taste, more deliciousness on the, on the, based on the properties that Pollen talks about, which would therefore fill us. You know, like we, we, we would eliminate cravings. I would like to think that a, a person would go to McDonald's and after a while they would learn, yeah, I got the bigger one last time, but, man, I was so stuffed, and so I'm going to get a smaller one this time. But I think that they get a bigger one, and a lot of reasons that they get the bigger one is, is because it's because of the bun, you know, and, and they're like not getting the nutrition that they that they crave, the, that they that they need, and it's and it's very carbohydrate intensive. They get the pop and the bun and the potatoes and it's kind of like, you know, I, I think that the balance should be more towards what, what you need is you need fat and protein. What, what you, uh, what's optional is the carbohydrate 
And then the meals that are provided everywhere, including the vending machines and at McDonald's and, and almost everything, is very carbohydrate intensive. And I, and I, I think that that's not, not appropriate. So I'd, I'd like to see them offer options that, you know, are a better fit for me. I, I also tend to avoid dairy. And so I'd like that. Well, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's watch the rest let's, of let's it. Let's watch the more. So we'll put this thing on the pause, and we'll get back to it. All right, so we, uh, we've we now watched Super Size Me. We're going to start up Fathead in a moment. We, we've been taking notes as we've been watching this. Um, uh, I've got the thing up here now. It says that the movie was made in 2004. And, um, you know, overall, the, the most important thing that I, I get out of this is like... Um, what the fuck do you think is going to happen if you gorge yourself all day long, every day? And he's trying to say that the problems that he experienced had to do with the fact that he ate at McDonald's as opposed to eating, I suppose, at a sit-down restaurant or at home or whatever. But and, and in fact, you know, he seemed to emphasize that over and over and over again through the movie. But the bottom line was is that he was gorging himself all day long every day. Well, and what was so frustrating is um, he was, as I mentioned before, he was drinking the pop or he was drinking shakes. He was getting desserts. He was he was um, eating the French fries. So he was getting all of these sugary carbs and all these excess carbs in addition to the burger or the McGriddle or whatever else he was getting. And even his doctors kept saying, wow, if you do that much fat, you know, this is taxing your liver, you know. And and he started coming up with very, very scary um, results of his blood tests with his liver function was so bad and his cholesterol went through the roof and all this stuff. And yet, you know, and the doctors kept saying it was the fat. But really, it was only the dietician who said, you're taking in um, double the calories you need and the best way, and you're getting all these empty calories with all these sugary drinks and stuff, just cut out the sugary drinks and the desserts and and that will help a lot. And she, she was the one who was recognizing it was all these excess carbs and the doctors kept talking about the excess fat. And so it will be fascinating to follow up with Fathead next because that was a really frustrating piece for me as well. I mean, to be honest, I'm struggling with my weight, and it's because I'm not exercising enough, and I'm eating too many carbs. And I've lost weight in the past by reducing the starchy carbs. Uh, That's a distinction that was debated on permies, just as a quick aside. Vegetables are carbs, but most of the time when I refer to carbs, I mean the starchy carbs, reducing the starchy carbs, not vegetable carbs. So, um, anyway, so that's a big part of this movie that they didn't even clarify or try to clarify. I, I think that's a, a great point. Um, I mean, he, he set up, I, I don't understand why he set up this criteria of eating 5,000 um, calories a day, uh, eating eating double what he should be eating. Um, but But I do know that, like, we saw him repeatedly do something where it's like, oh, I'm full, and then he would he would keep eating to the point that he would puke. Right. Well, he they showed him puke that once. What he I think the goal was he was trying to do what he thought was 
what a lot of Americans were doing. They were eating that way, and he he purposely kept his steps below, what, 2,000 steps a day or something, just to right. limit his exercise more to what was seen as a problem or an average with Americans. So, so I mean, yeah, it was an extreme, extreme experiment, extreme example. Um, and there was that other guy here you wrote down about the Big Mac enthusiast. Yeah. Who, so here's this guy, and and he like lives for Big Macs. He mm-hmm. eats. I think I think he eats at least two a day. He's like been measuring it, keeping track. He eats at least two Big Macs a day, mm-hmm. and he was skinny. Yeah, and and at the end of the movie, they said that that guy um, his cholesterol is 140, and that and. and and that he hardly ever eats the French fries. So it was kind of like this one little clarification of, okay, well, here's this guy that eats Big Macs all the time, but almost never eats French fries. They didn't say whether he drinks the pop or the shakes or anything, but from the looks of the guy and with his low cholesterol, I can imagine he probably didn't do the sugary junk stuff on top. So now let's let's suppose for a moment, I mean, basically what he's saying, I mean, he's, he's... He's got a sight set on McDonald's, but he did, he does go around and bash um, all fast food. Fast food is bad. Fast food. And then it's like, let's call up 100 dietitians and ask them, is fast food bad? You know, and, and then uh, uh, the, the question seemed to be fucked up when he was asking the question. But it's like, okay, let, let's take his same test and let's apply it to Denny's, not fast food. It's a sit-down restaurant. But now I imagine, and then part of his mission was is he had to, he required himself as part of this to eat one, you know, everything off of the menu during the 30 days. Mm-hmm. And, and then he would eat three meals. Well, Denny's, you can eat three meals a day at Denny's. Mm-hmm. And if Denny's is also a place where there's a lot of them. We all know what they are. They're a national institution. Um, is the food at Denny's better than that? I could even go in and I could get um, um, burger or steak at Denny's and and green beans far more likely to get something get to get healthier choices at Denny's I think than at McDonald's but I mean that's you know McDonald's thing is is like they're they're trying to give you food that you can eat with one hand while you drive your car for the most part um, Denny's is okay but but let's, if you're gonna eat five thousand calories a day at Denny's I think I think you're still going to be messed up. Only your pop is going to come in a different size of thing. They're going to co- are you going to make some kind of re- some kind of rule about how uh, you know if they you have to leave there with uh, having cleaned your plate and emptied your cup. I mean, do they have free refills there? I mean, if you get a a large soda pop at Denny's, is the rule going to be that as long as you know they just keep refilling it, so you have to keep drinking it, or I don't know. Well, they they had another interesting little section where they were showing some school lunches and they were talking about the advertisement. They were talking about uh, the difference if you if you sat down and had a meal every single meal of the day with your children, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for all year long. Um, they were saying that that that's you having influence over your child's food choices about a thousand times a year, about and. And um, they said most children, with the amount of TV they watch, they get commercials that influence their food choices and preferences 
10,000 times over a year because right. there's that many commercials. So they were saying basically it's a losing battle. You get all these brand imprinting, you get all this marketing, and, and it really does change choices, what they're trying to say. So they didn't go a lot into that, but then they showed kids in junior high eating french fries for lunch from the school cafeteria and all the junk food that was offered in a lot of the school cafeterias and provided by the USDA. You know, a lot of this food is is provided by the government and it's full of starchy carbohydrates, um, processed foods, you know, junk foods. It was just scary stuff. Right, and I I know that when my kids were going to school, I I got to look at their lunch menu stuff. I it was like, and so I I ended up packing them lunches because it's just ridiculous. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich is almost always better than whatever they were serving at school. Right, even with the high sugar in the jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, right, right. it was it was just it was just ridiculous. Yeah. So um, uh, I I frequently pack lunches for them, and and it's um, uh, now now here's I wrote down something here that I thought of as we we're going along, right? And and that is that um, we know somebody who works at Costco uh, at their main offices. In, uh, and, and as in a, research and development for their their food, stuff, food, their food. food. Mm-hmm. and so um, and Costco is located in King County in the Seattle area, and King County passed a law that said that um, all the uh, kitchens in the area, all the commercial kitchens in the area, have to produce food that no longer contains hydrogenated fat, um, except for the school kitchens. Right. So the kids can still have this fat that has now been proven to cause all sorts of problems and not be healthy right. for us. Well, it's one thing. And, you know, the other but, thing is, is I think yeah. Americans should be able to choose. Oh, I want to have my Crisco. Go for it. Yeah. How else are we going to follow Darwin's theory? <laughs> How are we going to get better using Darwin's theory as a tool? But, no, here's what they did. They said, it's so bad, it's so awful, we hereby ban it from all commercial kitchens, except for the children's schools. It's okay to give poison to children, just don't be giving it to us. That's a I, that is so messed up. It's yeah. so messed up. Well, and I, so they're having to reformulate all their food at Costco to be able to... Which I I thought was really fascinating. It's like wouldn't Costco be an exception because it's kind of like their food go gets shipped out all over the place, right? Well, you know, other no, this is for the stuff that they bake and sell in their in, own bakeries or their own delis. You know, all that is made at each warehouse, okay. and so since it's made there, they have to follow those rules here in King County. So. It's it's a challenge. It's an odd. And they they try to follow um, quite a few kosher principles as well. So between the laws and some of the kosher rules, and yeah, it it gets pretty difficult. Now I wrote down here something as we were watching this about commercials and children, and this has to do with something that that you once told me that I thought was very interesting. Well, it's a little bit tangential. I mean, I just mentioned the part about. The commercial influence, they're talking about all the advertising of McDonald's and the kids, and they, show, and they showed that the kids 
could recognize Ronald McDonald much easier than they could recognize Jesus or or George Washington, George Washington and things like that. So, um, but yeah, when my kids were younger, um, once in a while we would subscribe to cable and we'd get a cartoon network, which was packed full of all the kids' cartoons, and all of the advertisements were geared towards kids. They were, you know, toaster waffles, fast food, candy, sugary cereals, and and a lot of the commercials were the kids um, being smarter than or outsmarting their parents for grabbing that toaster waffle or outsmarting their parents to get the sugary cereal. And, and it was um, a lot of disrespect towards adults. And a lot of the commercials portrayed the adults as buffoons. And when my preschooler would watch you know, a bunch of those commercials, all of a sudden she would start being kind of more attitude and more lippy. And then as soon as I cut out the Cartoon Network, she would kind of go back to acting a little bit more like a normal, happy child who respected her parents. So, I mean, that was that's a little bit tangential to, you know, the show was talking about all the media influence and the commercial influence on people's food choices, but it's 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 kind of amazing how you can see that happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it, I guess in a way they have the right to send that message, and at the same time, um, I mean it's I think it's a really good point that I had never considered, but you're right. I I, I think it's huge. They they do they they teach children um that uh to to well yeah that their parents are fools and idiots and and uh, all adults are and that's it is kind of like a running theme in a lot of those shows and and of course i haven't seen any of those long times as my kids have you know become adults but um all right let's let's move along with our list here what else have we got i think there's just really one last comment about this before we move on to the next movie. Um, I think we've covered just about everything. Oh, the the skinny guy who ate all the Big Macs and didn't really eat fries and his cholesterol was low. You wrote down that he thought the Big Macs were getting smaller, whereas most of the Super Size Me show was talking about the bigger portion size. Um, and at the end of the movie, they did say that right about when the Super Size Me movie premiered that McDonald's nationally stopped offering Super Size portions. Right. So, um. so uh, in the begin- here I'm looking at notes. Uh, in the beginning, the nutritionist said, the very beginning of the movie, don't try to overindulge too much. <laughs> and, and so the nutritionist was, was spot on. And, um, and I've got to say that I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in nutritionists anymore. Um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I took my son in to see a nutritionist once because he was really feeling like, you know, uh, it's totally okay to have your diet consist of ice cream, Captain Crunch cereal, and all this stuff. And I provided only organic, what I believe to be organic healthy meals, um, and uh, and so then he he agreed after he and I debated about it at great length. Um, uh, he agreed that he'd go along with whatever nutritionist said. And so it's like, all right, we set up an appointment for some nutritionist, you know, any nutritionist, pick one at random. 
And basically that nutritionist echoed his words. Oh, yeah, ice cream, Cap'n Crunch, it's all good. It's all good. Well, as much as you can get. The way you told me this story is he was, you know, very, very skinny, and it was... It I was, wouldn't say very, very. He was thin. He was thin, and the issue was trying to get him any calories. And and I kind of feel that way, you know, when my, you know, when I recently took my, my son had to be in the hospital, and they're serving Jello and all of this stuff in the hospital, I'm thinking... Well, I get, you know, and I complained about it to my sister, who's an RN, and she said, well, I'm sure they're just trying to make sure the kids eat and that they eat something. And <laughs> and and I think that's what this nutritionist was telling you from the context she told me in the past, is that she just wanted to make sure he was eating something. So it was okay if he ate junk food. So um, I, I, you know, I wanted him to eat more, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And and um, and at the at the same time, uh, the thing is, is that you know, I I uh, at the time, and in fact, at the time we went in, we were living in community. Mm-hmm. We were living in a community house with ten people under one roof. Mm-hmm. Two meals were provided each day, and um, and we had some people that were just excellent cooks preparing the food, mm-hmm. and some some really spectacularly delicious food, which he would not even try. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes he would try it, but he was so sure he was going to hate it that um, that that he would you know put the one bite in, and then he would he would then want to spit it out. And it's kind of like um, you know this is really excellent food, and I'm kind of thinking like uh, okay, it's not sugary food, but it's like uh, I don't know. I thought it was it was really fantastic stuff, but of course his position was is that he wanted to eat pretty much exclusively dessert at all meals and exclusively desserts. And I'm thinking like, you know, hey, um, dessert's fine coming after eating other stuff. Well, anyway, the um, the nutritionist supported his position. You know, better to eat only desserts all day long and not eat any vegetables than, you know, to be offered... Um, limited desserts and a combination of foods, a variety of foods, and then eat only the desserts. Yeah. Which you know, granted, that's a good position, but basically, she she supported him, and she she advocated that I buy more desserts, and that I I make sure that he has ample desserts available. Yeah, and you. Uh, and he go ahead, make all the meals out of desserts. And I was kind of so at that point in time, my opinion of nutritionists dropped. A lot. Well, I think you unfortunately found one that was was not the wisest you could have had in that situation with your teenager. This nutritionist, however, she said some of the smarter things in this movie than the doctors. I mean, the doctors were appalled and shocked that he got so unhealthy so quick. He gained like a pound a day. He right. gained 27 pounds in 30 days, right. and uh, and then at the end of the movie, it said it took him four months or something like that to lose the first 20 pounds, and then it took him another nine months to lose the rest of the pounds he put on. I mean, and it took him eight weeks to get his um, his liver and his uh, cholesterol numbers, all of the bad test results took like eight weeks for those to normalize right. of, of his vegan chef girlfriend's detox diet. 
Now, um, so uh, about the girlfriend, it seemed to me that um, for all the doctors and nutritionists and stuff, I mean, I think the nutritionist was smarter than the doctors. The doctors, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then I thought the nutritionist was ahead of them. And I thought that the girlfriend was, in a way, um, ahead of the nutritionist. And at the same time, the girlfriend was crazier. <laughs> the girlfriend, I mean, at one point the girlfriend said something about, like, um, eating ham is like uh, taking heroin. Right. She she was definitely an ethical vegan from what she was saying. She said she really didn't think you sh- you know, she was dismayed that her beloved boyfriend could eat meat and support an unethical system. Um, and so she was likening that to using heroin. And, and he just laughed her off and said, how can you compare the two? You know, so, um, and that was a netty comparison. I, she was stretching and reaching for something to make a point about, yeah. <clears throat> about you know, I'm sure she's concerned about the environmental impacts of raising meat and the ethical impacts of how the animals are raised and things like that. So that's, sounded like what she was going for. Yeah. So, and then the food that she made looked awesome. Mm-hmm. It looked it looked really great. And then she was talking about, okay, she's like preparing menus because she wants to um, take him on a food spree after the 30-day thing to try and detox him and and work on his nutrition and stuff like that. And and I and a lot of things that she said as she was getting ready to do that, I thought made good sense to me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh and and you know, I I think that uh, there's there's a lot of good nutrition that's happening in the vegan world, although I I think that, you know, really um like Pollen's approach to this is is superior where you take, you know, all of that awesomeness in the vegan world and now let's just add a little meat to it. Um, and I think that that's, that's a much better diet. I, I, and, and frankly, I think that, um, well, anyway, we could talk about that more after the next movie. Right. But I do have one more note in here that I wanted to convey, and that is, so in my history of, e- of, of living in communities where food was shared, that um, when there were uh, uh, community meals provided, especially dinners and as well as breakfast, then I found myself eating out almost never. Mm. And and most of the time when I'm eating out um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not part of a community and I'm not, not sharing community meals, It's it, a lot of it is like, you know what, um, I'm not interested in cooking. I just want to... I want to go out and I want to strap on a feed bag and I'm I'm tired uh, you know well anyway I'm going I'm going to go eat out I want to have a proper meal mm-hmm. and I don't want to cook it and I'm prepared to pay for it I will make that sacrifice and pay for it um, and and so well anyway there you go I just wanted to get it up right that community meals can can help with that help you eat healthier and not eat out as much and yeah. And I think a good point that, you know, when you were, we were talking about earlier about um, uh, the n- number of hours of advertising versus the number of hours that parents have to, to uh, convey their message, they, they basically were saying that the, the message was conveyed during the meal. So if you had three meals a day with your children, this is your time to 
do your parenting, to to convey your message to the children. About what's healthy. Versus the amount of time that they spend in front of the television. And, uh, and it was like a 1 to 10 is what they were saying. And, um, you know, here's the thing about community meals is that when you sit at that table twice a day every day, and maybe in some communities three times a day every day, then um, it's that experience of being at that table with, like, ten other people is spectacularly amazing. And it's it's such a wonderful experience and such a fantastic exchange of information and knowledge and camaraderie and whatever else. It's it's like, you know, that's, I think, you know, whenever you talk about community, that really needs to be, you know, one of the primary goals, one of the, I mean, it's one of the biggest perks. I don't right. understand when I hear about these communities and they don't share any meals or they share one meal a month or something like that. And I, and I kind of think, wow, what a missed opportunity. Well, and then you have the influence. If, if you're trying to use a village to raise your child, then you have the influence of multiple adults instead of just the primary adults in that child's life with that meal of saying, wow, this is good, this is great. So you could almost compete with that 10 to 1 ratio. Very good point. Or, you know, other families, they just do no TV whatsoever, which is also incredibly wise. But, but you know, you could buy additional adults in that child's life, additional influence. Okay. Well, so, Super Size Me, um, I rate it as a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> I was, I mean, there were little bits of good information. There were bits of information from good, decent people that were then taken and totally misconstrued. Um, and and there were some people that I thought were conveying poor information, and um, and then the overall summary and the overall way. I mean, the way it was glued together was good. As a person who makes little crappy YouTube videos, I, I got to say, wow, they they did some fancy stuff there, and that was that was fun. But um, uh, overall, the the message was deceptive and awful. That's my analysis. <laughs> right. And and I think most people don't recognize the, that the conclusions that were drawn were drawn from a, a faulty reasoning. We, you know, the world has a lot of problems, and we need to become aware of these problems so that way we can wrestle with them. But when we're handed a big pile of misinformation and then all of our friends you know, say, yay, that was awesome, then it's, our job becomes so much harder. It's like, it's like this is, I, I, you know, I know it wasn't, but it is as if this program was put on by Monsanto and Cargill and all those guys, and, and it's like, let's totally take all these people who want to care about these things, and let's send them off on a crazy adventure so they'll be tied up in Crazyville while we continue to get away with our shenanigans because people will be misdirected. That's my feeling is like why would somebody put together this bucket of crazy? And I just I just wonder about some sort of shenanigans behind it. All right, so now we're about to watch Fathead. And um, uh, I was looking at the little thing that comes with it here that, that you know tells you a little bit about it. Come on, contraption, pull it up. And um, this is done in 2009. And 
this guy that's going to be doing it, that is the core of this movie, is a comedian and former health writer, Tom Naughton. And it's very much in response to Super Size Me. So now, you've never seen this one, right? I have not seen this so one. So I've seen this one. I think, if I remember correctly, my analysis of this movie was that it was um, uh, 92% awesome. That there were, and, and really the only things I did not like is I felt like that they were taking some inappropriate cheap shots. Whereas the one we just got done was like, you know, a good 94% cheap shots. And so, but anyway, I this one could have been slightly better if, 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 if my memory serves, it could have been slightly better if he had just left out the cheap shots. Um, so. So we'll see. All right, let's go. Okay, we're back. Yes, we watched Fathead, the movie. What a wonderful change. <laughs> there was lots of humor in this one. It was it was funny. I enjoyed it. You know, he starts out standing outside the fast food restaurant saying, you know, I'm just standing here, <laughs> and no one is dragging me, making me go in and eat this. And so he finally got tired of waiting, so he went in on his own. <laughs> yeah, he started getting hungry. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, it. So, um, uh, I, as, uh, so, as we were watching it, my thinking was, especially at the beginning when we had this transition period, I, I was thinking that um, Super Size Me was a movie that was made dominantly, I mean, it had this whole feeling of... Um, these are not the droids you're looking for. I, I feel like, you know, Jedi mind tricks, they only work on the weak-minded. And so um, I, I really kind of feel like Spurlock's movie is, is made for people that Spurlock believes are stupid. And it turns out that a lot of people, and, you know, all these people that I've offended by, by telling them my position on that movie, all, all of those people, I, I believe, you know, are, are the weak-minded. They bought it. They bought it. And then this movie, I believe, was made for far more intelligent people. I mean, and and not only not only do I feel like you know, because I'm really sensitive to the to the use of fallacy, and I um, and I feel like Spurlock stuff. There was a lot of this stuff where they would make a statement and draw some crazy conclusion from some statement, and it's and it's like, well, you know, how in the hell did you get there from that? And uh, um, and this movie, on the other hand, um, digs deep into the research that's available, and um, I think does a really excellent. In fact, it exposed a lot of stuff I never knew, like like um, the uh, the whole thing about uh, cholesterol turns out to be a, a bunch of bogus bullshit. You know, all the concerns about it, and the function of cholesterol is completely different. And that the reason why we have all this concern about, you know, how we should eat a low-fat diet comes from uh, politics uh, um, and political folks tied to some veganist groups or vegetarian groups and um, also tied to uh, the, the USDA's uh, intent on being able to uh, um, sell commodity crops. Right. I mean, a lot of really fascinating stuff that really makes a lot of sense to me. And and when I say um, vegan or vegetarian groups, you know, I you know I I don't want to discount 
people that are out there that are vegans or vegetarians. I think that, you know, what they're doing is good and noble. Um, and uh, uh, But then the, these groups that were, were not working from a good and noble space. Well, I, Fathead did pick on the Center for Science in the Public Interest, and they said it's basically a vegetarian group. Um, and they picked on them quite a bit. They did say, you know, they they had noble goals, but that the end effect of what they were trying to do um, wasn't always the healthiest option. So, so that was that was kind of interesting to learn a bit about that. They really picked on and took some cheap shots, even at the the Center for Science and the Public Interest. But, and I don't know anything about it except what was this movie. So I really don't know where to go with that. But if you're looking just high level at the difference between the two movies, the um, Super Size Me movie, just from an artistic point of view, flowed a little bit better and was more appealing in its editing and, and, and filmography, perhaps. I think the... But, but I think Fathead had more content, more facts, and it also, the experts it relied on just looked healthier. <laughs> they looked leaner. They looked happier. And and there was a wide variety of experts that he called on um, from several different organizations and several different published authors and experts. And 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 I, I really appreciated the people he interviewed and what they had to say because they, they, they weren't as afraid to say some uh, pretty powerful things. Now, I thought that the, the main guy, Tom... Uh, Tom Naughton. Tom Naughton. Um, so he starts off, and I to me, he looks like a regular skinny-ish guy, you know? Um, mm-hmm, just no- average. Normal. Yeah. And so then uh, he pointed out that technically, based upon the, the, uh, the, the rules put out by, you know, the, the government, that he is technically obese. Right. Not overweight, because he's, well, actually, he's overweight, yes, but not just overweight, he's obese. Right, because of his BMI, his body mass index. Um, right. So anyway, they, he went into a fair bit about that and where that all is coming from, and some guy was talking about yeah BMI and how technically Michael Jordan, the um, basketball player, is overweight. Obese? Is he overweight or obese? No, I think overweight. He overweight. technically is not. Yes. Yeah, so this body mass index became a new standard at a certain time, and that's when our obesity statistics increased hugely. Right. And and they feel a lot of it was just due to a change in definition. Right, and so that's why we've got a lot more fat people now and, and that kind of thing. Well, anyway, the, the movie, um, just so refreshing. And, and overall, you know, I want to say, yeah, I, I think people should watch this movie. It's, it's important. It, um, it, it has a lot of, um, you know, powerful information. And, and I think, you know, from a permaculture perspective, I don't know if there's a whole lot there to be gained other than the fact that it's like um, uh, when we're making choices about the way the things that we plant and how we grow them and what we want to, you know, be our food sources and stuff like that, I think it's important to know, um, 
you know, about our food and what makes us healthy. And a lot of people, I think, um, are not aware of the information that's in this movie, and they should be. Right. Well, a lot of people still still think that we should eat a grain-based, low-fat diet, and that's the food pyramid we've all been exposed to for a number of years, and that it should be low-fat, high-grain, high-whole-grain diet. And... And I thought the doctors, especially at the end of this movie, were crystal clear and they showed how grains act in the blood just like sugar, you know, that, that it's, it spikes the blood sugar and, and that that's more of the problem than the fats. And there was example after example after example of how high fats and even saturated fats lower cholesterol, improve the mood, um, help you lose weight, as opposed to um, lots of grains and lots of um, starchy foods, which increase the blood sugar, cause weight gain, cause depression, low fat combined with that, cause the depression. And so there is example after example of that. It's, it was just so this was guy, pretty compelling. He... Um, he for, for for 28 days, he ate, he ate at fast exclusively fast food restaurants, three meals a day, and um, he lost 12 pounds. Right, and his BMI went down below the obesity threshold too, because supposedly at 30% BMI, um, you're obese, and he was at 31.2%, and he dropped that to 28.2. He started out, you know, five foot eleven, two hundred six pounds, um, and he went down to one ninety four pounds. So at five foot eleven, you know, I think most of us would know people about that height at around two hundred pounds. Um, that doesn't seem that huge or that obese, but he was considered obese. So um, the reason why we watch these two movies has to do with science. And so um, we we have been bombarded lately, or we had been. I, I you know I, that problem that we were suffering from appears to be gone, and discussion is awesome now, and we're not we're not suffering from that. But I I do know that that I was emphatic. You know we got to watch these two movies because I want to make a podcast about it. I have things to say, and I want to impress upon people. And so um, a couple of important things that in this movie, the, the people that turned out to be dead wrong and just confused and crazy and having a major impact on our lives by um, lobbying our government as well as protesting at certain restaurants, these people have the word science right in their organization. The so, name of their organization, Center for Science in the Public Interest, CSPI. Right, and and so they're a vegetarian organization, and um, and, and basically their science was crap. I, yeah, what what this filmmaker said is that they were the ones that protested outside fast food restaurants and got all the fast food restaurants to stop using saturated fat, basically beef towel for frying their french fries. They got them all to stop using that. And so that's why they all changed to frying in hydrogenated vegetable oil or trans fats. And now we know that the trans fats actually are worse than the saturated fats. And so that, 
And then they are the same ones as well who thought that the fatty coconut oil that popcorn was being made in was bad for you. So they got all the theaters to stop using coconut oil because that was way too fatty and switched to hydrogenated oils for that too. So, But then they made the claim of like um, we've always been, we've always advocated against uh, trans fats. Right. And and it's like, um, and so uh, they spent a fair bit of the movie saying, you know, uh, no, they they outright lied about that. They were the ones that got us to switch to trans fats. Then they came, so I, I thought, but the big thing is, is that here's this crazy organization. They are the organization of crazy shit, and then they call themselves, we're about science and political interest. And it's kind of like, science, we're all about the science. Hey, hey, you got to do what we say because we got the science. Right. And it's like, you know, so now we've got a bunch of other scientists on this movie that are saying, uh, no, those guys, they're, you know, I wouldn't call them scientists. <laughs> well, they got science in their name. Granted, you get to do that if you want, but uh, they're a little weak in the science department. Right. So when, so they were talking about how how we came about with the American Heart Association pushing low-fat um, grain-based diets, and, and that was based on this lipid hypothesis, which was not, which was made up <laughs> science, really. He plucked out the science to support the lipid hypothesis, but if you looked at all of the studies, it didn't support that at, at all. Right. He was throwing out data that did not match his right. desired outcome. Right. So the lipid hypothesis is that supposedly saturated fat raises cholesterol and that cholesterol causes heart disease. And both of those have been proved absolutely false. Right. So now, um, I, I love the part where he said, um, okay, so here's a guy. He comes to us. He is riddled to the gills with lies. He gets put on the cover of Time magazine, and he gets um, his pockets filled with money and praise, and Monica Lewinsky visits him twice a month. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway. And, and then there's another guy who... Um, who uh, says, hey, that ain't so. Yeah. And, and he was like some super dude at Harvard. Yeah. And, and uh, he got himself demoted to the basement, got all his funding taken away. Right. And, like, you know, and the next thing you know, he's without a job, and it takes him two years to get a new job. Right. There was this, they, he went into some of the politics for it, and when people talk politics, my eyes glaze over, I have to admit, you know, or I fall asleep. You stayed, stayed awake for <laughs> stayed all awake. of this show. <laughs> but, but they talked about this McGovern report, the Senator McGovern back in the 70s, you know, he was a big fan of the Adkins low-fat diet, and he thought not, that... Not Adkins, Pritikin. Um, Pritikin, sorry, no, not Adkins. So he thought everybody should eat that way, and the, this Tom Naughton movie maker was likening that to prohibition, like all these people telling everybody else how to live their life. And so people, and then plus it was all commodities-based. So, you know, if you're basing your diet on wheat, corn, soy, and all of these grains and sugar, these commodity-based things, then... That's where the money was, that's where the funding was, and most of the scientists 
played that tune to keep their funding and keep things going. Is is what this movie was trying to say. Right. If you didn't, if you didn't play along, then then you ended up getting boned. And right. so they, they they showed a few examples of that. So here's the people who played along. They got jobs. Well, and then here's people who didn't play along, and they didn't get jobs. Right. And. Yeah, and I and Tom Naughton went through so many of the different fallacies in um, Supersize Me. He he dissected each of them one by one, and 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 used um, some of these different scientists he interviewed to back that up, and and um, he refuted that the sit-down restaurants weren't the problem. He said, actually, you can have more calories at a sit-down restaurant than you would at a, at a McDonald's or at a fast food meal. And he talked about home meals, how how really all of our dietary changes, you know, all, the way we eat, the way we snack, the way we are very much into convenience, that's more of a problem than fast food. Um, the Yeah. I just there the other part that I thought was really brave of them to touch on in Fathead, um, and he touched on this twice. Is is he thought you know how you've been saying you think the supersize me is for stupid people? Well, um, he really thought that the way they interviewed like those young black teenagers that were all about oh yeah I love McDonald's and and in the uh, first movie, in the Super Size Me movie, uh-huh. um, this Tom Naughton and Fathead really thought they were portraying something racist. They were saying basically that people of color are um, stupid and don't know how to eat right, and that's how they get heavy. And, and They don't know how to take care of themselves, so we themselves. need government to come in right. and regulate right. what they're allowed to eat right. because they just don't know any better. And and he thought that that was really offensive, and 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 I thought that was a good point. I wouldn't have picked out that point, but I, um, and then the, this other expert who seemed to know a lot about the different um, that he interviewed on here. I forget which guy it was, but he seemed to know a lot about how the policies change and the body mass index was a change, and how we measure food habits and weight and obesity. Um, he also said that he thought some of the obesity issues were um, race issues, you know, that it's a way of, um, you know, saying, well, we don't want all these people of color who have um, have obesity problems or who have weight problems. Um, and there were some really interesting comments along those lines. And I kind of appreciated that they were brave enough to go there and, you know, they were saying, oh, it's all these skinny white people saying everybody else <laughs> needs to do things their way. That know? was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, anyway. I I think there's a lot. Uh, I like Mike, Michael Pollan's work where he was saying something about how it's the flavor of food. There's a, you know, for for a lot of stuff, when you're getting a lot of good flavor in your food, when you're like saying this is this tastes delicious, a lot of that is because there are things within that food that are nutritious to you. They are they are very good for you. 
And there there are a couple of errors. I mean, the way that we are designed to consume food and say, hmm, this is really yummy, um, we've, we have found new ways to kind of trick into that. And, and um, so while we're, we say, oh, apples are yummy, fruit is yummy, uh, well, of course, the apples and fruit of um, uh, 20,000 years ago uh, had not been bred to be as sweet as they are now and everything, but still, like, get as much of that as you can. That's good stuff. Um, and, and now we've, we've come up with all kinds of different uh, uh, sugars and whatnot, which we're not designed to eat. And then, of course, grains. We're, we've, we were never really designed to eat grain. And uh, the great thing about grain is, is that it does store really well for a really long time. But um, uh, and the fats. I thought they made. He made so many awesome points with fats. Yeah. At no point in time is there any kind. I mean, where's the vegetable fat that you can find in nature? Now, now coconut fat you can find in nature, and it seems like there was a lot being done with coconut fat. And kind of, I kind of wonder about our history as a, as a human race as we go back. Probably had a fair bit of coconut fat yeah. way back. Um, and then, but but he was, his point was meat fats were like the dominant fat that we had. By the way, he said that uh, he lost 12 pounds, and during that time, more than 50 percent of his diet was fat. Right, and and 20 or uh, well, close to 30 percent of that was saturated fat, and so he was eating about 2,000 calories a day, purely at fast food. And uh, but keeping that to only about 100 carbs out of the day, out of that 2,000 calories. So it was primarily protein, and um, he ate very very few vegetables. You know, which then he changed and he went on a different diet after that. So he did. Uh, he followed that up with another month. Of, of a very of a low carb high fat diet, right, yeah. right, where he did lots of vegetables but drowned them in butter, and he did lots of fatty fatty meats and stuff. But it was, you know, it a, expert after expert after expert in this movie talked about how um, there are health risks with low cholesterol. Cholesterol is what is. You know, your body uses to repair things and make things. And that people with higher cholesterol live longer. Um, and, and it was just amazing to me how they would say this over and over again. And so when you have stress and high blood sugar and you smoke, for example, those all raise your cholesterol because they're trying to repair the inflammation that those things cause. They said that it's actually inflammation that causes the heart disease and the hardening of the arteries and stuff, and cholesterol is an attempt to repair that. So you get the stress, you get the high blood sugar, and you get the smoking. It, it causes these bad destructive processes or processes. Um, and then the... Yeah, and there were the um, the vegetable fats and the trans fats that can cause, you know, your your cells not to function right. Is that what they said? And that they and that the cholesterol is to try and repair that. Anyway, I, I thought it was amazing. And the thing that I thought was priceless was at the end that one of the experts said that he re- read a feed bag. 
and and <laughs> for feedback for for livestock. And he said the grains used to fatten the animals are the same ones we were told would slim us down on a low-fat grain-based diet. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Yeah, Aren't no, no, no. So, and, and who thinks of it that way? Now, the part that was a little difficult for me to follow, he had all these little cartoons trying to explain the insulin resistance and the, how the pancreas right. acts and, and the fat hoarding and the fat release for energy. And some of that I didn't think was all that clear. I mean, he was trying to use these cartoons to make that Basically, if you have sugar over and over and over again, yep. then um, it, you're on a path to diabetes. So yep. if you have sugar over and over and over again, um, uh, then, you know, your cells become used to the insulin spike. Because every time you have any kind of carbohydrate, the, the carbohydrates get converted to sugar. And in order to be able to deal with all the sugar in your system, then your pancreas releases insulin. Right. And then your cells have like heard from insulin so many times they start to become resistant to the insulin. So then your pancreas releases more insulin. And and so anyway. Right. That, and well and they were talking about how dangerous that is too, that you you know, you just can that's how you get diabetes. And and that can be very, very right. dangerous. It's a it's a very compound thing and, and he attempted I mean basically the movie wasn't very long, an hour and forty four minutes. And I do believe that he packed yeah. information in here. Uh, yeah. he, he, he packed in tons of stuff from tons of scientists, and um, it's like every minute here was ten times richer in information than the Spurlock movie. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, like, basically he had to unravel Spurlock stuff and convey his own point. Right. And, um, and, and so this was, yeah. this was an information-rich movie this is this is what i expect from a documentary but the funny thing is i'll bet you hardly anybody has heard of this movie i would be curious to find out how many people have seen fathead versus how many people have seen supersize me and um i think the big thing is and this is something where i have some issues um and and it's like when we went to that event where it was pictures and poetry you know, we we thought it was going to be this substantial thing, and we get there, and it's pictures of poetry, and yet they got a hundred people there, and people are ooing and aahing over how awesome it is, and I just kind of feel like they didn't say anything. Right, and that was a farming group in the Seattle area, and it was supposed to be a talk on sustainable farming in the area, and uh, a farmer in the well, area was, who's published a book it was, on, na- it was international because he this guy oh, yeah. it was okay. built as like this guy has been traveling the world and visiting all these okay. farms and he's going to share his experiences about sustainability right and, and I'm thinking sustainable farming I'm thinking wow this guy like does what I do only he's gone like farther he's like yeah got a plane or something I don't know or he's just he's willing to go farther than I am <laughs> so this will be awesome and I thought, I'll bet there's going to be like 20 people there. And so I get there, and there's like more than 100. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. All these people are interested in it. And, and so this is going to be really great. And then we, we, we go through the whole thing, and at the end of it, it's like he never once mentioned any technique right. or, or anything. I mean, it was all fluff. 
it was a slideshow of the farms he visited and the farmers he talked to, and he would kind of say who it was, where they were, and what they grew, and that was about it. And then the pictures... Look at this picture of this man. He's got leathery skin. <laughs> He's clearly been working in the sun for for decades. Oh, and you know, that it was gorgeous pictures of the cabbage field, and, you know, it would make a beautiful coffee table book. Look at this monocrop. It goes on <laughs> as far as the eye can see, yeah. and there's only six workers for all of this. Right. It was it was a little different, and you're right. There was it was just it was pretty pictures, and there wasn't much information. I saw the sunrise this morning, and I and I wrote a poem. But and and that you know yeah. So the, it was I, nice I, you know, that Fat Head had lots of information. There's I keep encountering all these events mm-hmm. where there's a somebody stands up at the front of the room or whatever and says nothing at all, but has lots of pictures. We saw one at, at the, you know, and I don't want to say where it was. We saw one a while ago, and I'm sure that the anger on my face will reflect which one, so you'll know. And, <laughs> and, and then it's like, here's a picture of a flower. And, and it's like, here's a, here's a picture of a pyramid. And, and look at the slaves. Can you believe the pharaohs? The pharaohs are so mean to the slaves. And it's kind of like, this is supposed to be about permaculture. What the hell? And it just went on and on and on of pictures of things, and nothing of any substance was ever talked about. And then afterwards, hundreds of people at this one, hundreds. Afterwards, nearly everybody I talked to said, oh, that was so wonderful. I enjoyed that so much. That was so great. Oh, how inspiring. And I just kind of thought, you just saw two hours of mental masturbation, and, and you found it inspiring. <laughs> I, I don't understand this. And so I feel like Spurlock's film does cater to those people. It's like they, you know, here's a bunch of mental masturbation that goes nowhere. And, wow, so great! You know, and then here we have Fathead, which gets right down to the brass tacks, covers a lot of very important information in a very logical fashion, and throws in a bunch of pretty decent humor. <laughs> He's funny. He's and, funny. And it's, it's you know, and I, what, people are, people are going to hate it, I suppose, because I can't understand people. I don't get it. I know. I, yeah, hey, it was I, it was sensational. It was marketed. This one um, isn't quite as sensational, and it wasn't marketed as much. That's the only thing I could think of. By the way, Fathead is called Fathead because your brain is mostly made out of fat. Yeah. And and if you're not supporting brain function with fat, especially in children. You know, your brain just doesn't function as well. You need that fat for your brain to function. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. And also, I don't know if we mentioned that when he did go on his high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet that was more healthy than his fast food um, diet, the one he went on, his um, cholesterol went down. 
I mean, he was eating eggs and bacon, eggs fried in butter. He was drenching vegetables in butter and sour cream. He was having steak. <laughs> it did seem like it was every meal he would describe it was butter and this, or it was this and butter. Oh, <laughs> buttery, yeah. buttery, butter, 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 and ta- butter. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about drenching things in whatever saturated fat he could find. And after a month of that, his um, cholesterol went down. Yeah, his and his his uh, numbers, his ratio was like super spectacular. Way in the optimum range. Way in the uh, yeah, in below three point five. Although part of the film is is talking about how you know um, measuring this is in many ways rather pointless. Right. And the way that they measure it is stupid. Right. And you know all kinds of things. But according to the people that are you know, and I did this too back in 1996, I think it was or 95. I um I weighed 350 pounds and um uh I did the the low carb thing. I ate bacon and eggs for breakfast and I did all of it. And after I believe it was 6 weeks I had lost uh 60 pounds. And so I was down to uh 280 and then over time I got down to um like uh 240. But I'm I'm 66. So I'm I'm a giant guy. So in case you're thinking, in case you're imagining somebody who's much shorter, weighing 350 pounds, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh, and so it, it was, um, it worked really well for me. And I did this, I did a very similar thing. I had my cholesterol tested before and after, and my cholesterol uh, before, and this is when I was eating like uh, a lot of oats. Uh, you know, I rarely ate meat. I was eating. Um, um, a diet that I think that um, uh, Michael Pollan would be pretty proud of, um, and uh, um, my cholesterol was starting to look pretty bad. Mm. And um, so anyway, and I exercised a lot. I played soccer five times a week. Yeah. So. Um, well, that one other thing they pointed out in this movie that stuck out in my head um, is that. They said there's quite often the misperception that a thinner person will live longer than a heavier person um, with no regard to other lifestyle issues at all. But what they've actually found is that someone who, um, if you've got a thin person that never exercises and yet you've got a heavier person that wouldn't be called thin, who does exercise, the one who, the heavier person who exercises is going to live longer than that thin person. I mean, we've, we've pe- placed such high value on being thin and small and the way you get there is low fat and all the, that it all gets kind of twisted up and misconstrued when there's a lot more, um, there's, there's other lifestyle factors at play there. You know, the stress, the... Um, High blood sugar, right. exercise, you know. I appreciate that they spent a fair bit of time talking about glycemic index. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I feel like, the, you know, some important messages from this movie are that when you plan your permaculture landscape, you know, make sure that you include animals in your landscape. And I think that um, uh, um, I, I hope that if there are, I hope vegans will stop animals in their landscape. And um, uh, I think that uh, there's a lot to be said for um, uh, 
uh, getting your food from uh, from its more natural state, and um, uh, as opposed to getting oils, say, um, from plants that where it's it's really difficult. I think getting oils from sunflowers you can do, um, or or possibly from nuts or something like that, but. Uh, getting. Um, they made that point in the movie. They yeah. said um, getting oil from corn and soybean is a chemical process. It's not yeah. a normal press. <laughs> like you can't cold press, you know, corn oil and soybean oil. It's 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 a an, a chemical extraction basically. I think another good one is is that when you go to the grocery store and you shop for stuff. Um, uh, and and it has you know an oil in it. I've been uh, I've been avoiding anything that has soy oil in it. Or um, somebody was telling me something about how canola oil is bad. I can't remember why, but I've been avoiding that too. Um, so uh, if I want to go to the store and I buy salad dressings, I've been not buying salad dressings that contain uh, soy oil or canola oil. Instead, favoring sunflower oil. Um, or olive oil, or safflower. I mean, I I, I kind of like to think about plants where I can I can see in my head how you're going to get the oil out of it, and that it's a fairly straightforward, basic process. It it, it then seems safer and more nutritious to me, which which I think you know pollens work. I think the combination of what we just saw in fat head plus pollens work, I think is is really the path to nutrition which is going to be um, keeping it really simple and keeping it from your own land. And, po- and I want to advocate polyculture, which I haven't seen advocated in either of those sources. Right. Well, and, and they also had two people from the Weston A. Price Foundation, and, and, yeah. and I would like to read more along those lines. Someone posted a really great article out on Permies. Um, sorry, I can't remember who it was about um, native peoples and how they relied on fat. And um, right. that, was that a, was good. That was really cool because what they, I mean, they would make beef jerky, but the way they rehydrated the beef jerky to actually eat it was in fat. They cooked it in fat. They, they didn't like the lean meats. They, they went after the bigger, older animals because of the fat on their backs. They wanted the fat. Smart. And if they couldn't get the big game with the big fat packets and, and things like that, th- then they were reduced to hunting the smaller game like rabbits or squirrels or birds. And, and then they felt if they just ate that kind of game and didn't get enough fat, they actually had a term for it. They called it rabbit starvation. They thought that they got ill from not getting enough fat. It was it, it was a fascinating article, and that was Weston A. Price Foundation, um, their website, and uh, someone linked that article into a was that the I think it might have been Good Lard is a good health food thread. Yeah. In the one cooking, of my favorites. In the cooking and food preservation form. Right. Yeah. And and you know, um as a point of business for um uh you know, sometimes we would do the thing of like go make a link or something like that. And uh um in a podcast not long ago I, I was mentioning, you know, hey, uh really participation in the forums is a good way to go. And I want to emphasize that again. Uh you know, um, uh, come out, um, post pictures. I was cruising through the pictures of 
Hugo culture beds today. There's that thread that's got 50,000 views, and there's all those pictures of Hugo culture beds. I was looking at that. There's some pictures I hadn't seen yet, and I was looking through that. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I'm surprised. I keep pulling up threads that I've neglected, and there's a bunch of pictures of really fascinating, excellent stuff. Man, keep those pictures coming. This is this has been just really great. And so the richness of knowledge that's coming off of the forums is great. But, you know, to get that richness of knowledge, we all have to put a little bit in. And and so um, uh, the exchange is, is good, and I feel like the exchanges that I've seen lately, I've not been deleting stuff nearly as often as I used to. It's It's been so much smoother. And... And I see a lot of growth and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good information coming together on, on good, important topics. It's, it's really excellent. And so, as always, you know, when, you, when you've got an interesting bit of information that fits into permies or the, uh, the, the permaculture stuff, the frugality stuff, where the frugal forum has really been taken off, um, or, you know, any of this stuff out here, or even if you want to put something in the meaningless drivel forum, um, all of these things really helps to, to build our overall knowledge. And it's, and, um, the thing is, is like, while that information might already be out on the internet somewhere, um, people are having a hard time finding it. And it's hard to pick out the good stuff from the crap. And you know what? That's a big part of what this podcast today is about. And is to try and help um, throw light on what's crap and what's good. And I mean, I, I really hope that there's going to be not a single soul on Permies who is going to try and stand up for Spurlock's movie. He might have some other movies that are good, but this one, the, the Super Size Me, I sure hope no one tries to defend Super Size Me on Permies. I mean, that's... What a what a turd. Well, I disagreed with you earlier when we were talking about it, saying, well, I kind of understand a little bit of the points of view on that, you know. So um, There were some bits in the movie that were good. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, uh, you know, when they're talking about the school lunches and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, overall, it was a mess. Yeah. And the, the thing that bothers me is not that it was a mess, it's that almost, I mean, when we're, well, look right now. Here we are looking at Fathead on the Netflix. It's, it's got three stars out of five. And I know that earlier I was noticing how um, Super Size Me has four stars out of five. Right. So, um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's like there's all these people, and when we talk about the Wheaton Eco Scale, I mean, clearly, there's always going to be um, uh, thousands of times more people at Eco Level 1 than there's going to be at Eco Level 5. And I want these podcasts to be directed, you know, to the, the latter end of the scale, you know, kind of a thing. We've had a lot of people give feedback about that, that they want to see more of that. And I think it just reflects, you know, people who just bought their first fluorescent light bulbs for the sake of saving the planet would find... Uh, Morgan Spurlock's thing to be awesome because they just don't know any better, and um, and so very few people. In fact, I, there might be a lot of those people if they saw Fathead, they might not like it because they would think it's just crazy. Just as the Wheaton Eco Scale talks about, about people that are more than two levels ahead of you seem crazy. I imagine this would seem crazy to some of those people. 
it seems perfectly reasonable to me, but I would think that I'm just guessing. I, I, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing. Yeah, well, in, in terms, the three stars versus the four stars, you know, in terms of an enjoyable show, you know, I could see how some people might not like how Fathead was constructed just from an artistic point of view. But in terms of facts and information, it did have ten times more information than the supersize me had. So so it was far superior. Watching them back-to-back like this is pretty fascinating how he totally deconstructs everything that supersize me is based on. And it makes me think that, well, yeah, supersize me started out with that legal case where they, you know, um, the teenage girls were suing McDonald's for being fat, um, for making them fat. And... And so it seems like the whole supersize me um, idea and motive was to prove that um, fast food does make you fat or would make you fat or could make you fat or something. So he went at it from a um, just trying to support that legal case, it seemed like. Because then even in, in Fathead, the guy in, and I you were trying to wrap up, but the guy in Fathead um, uh, said he didn't understand how he could have made five thousand, you know, eaten five thousand calories a day. He did the math on that, and he was thinking this guy was just totally, you know, he really would have only had about thirty six hundred calories a day, not five thousand. And the dietitian said right. two different times that the super that Spurlock was eating five thousand calories a day. Yeah, eating over five thousand. Yeah. So he he was like saying, okay, here's a great big McDonald's breakfast, here's a great big McDonald's lunch, right. and here's a great big McDonald's dinner. Right. And right. all the calories added up to like thirty six hundred. Even if he supersized the lunch and the dinner. Right. And then he's like, okay, now in order to be able to get it up there, we're going to have to add stuff. To make it 5,000. And then it was getting to be like, geez, no wonder the guy puked. Right. And no wonder he gained a pound a day. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so it was very, it was something that wasn't really shown in the Super Size Me that the fat head guy sh- showed. And just all the information about the politics and the money and the history behind, um, and even the Heart Association label. That's a that's all based on money. Oh, and yeah. that people don't want to take that off their cereal boxes and things like that because it, the Heart Association doesn't want to lose the money for approving them to have have the little Heart Association seal. So it was just it was just interesting, fascinating. So um, back years ago in ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere around in there. Um, I, I found a mailing list. There was a guy on there named Lyle McDonald who was just really, I, I thought he was brilliant. Based on my standards, I found him to be really brilliant. And um, I remember he pointed out a study that showed that um, people that ate a diet that was purely carbohydrate, uh, they could gain, the, the point at where they would start to gain weight was something like 1,000 calories per day. Um, eating a diet of pure carbohydrate. Wow. And then um, people who ate a diet of pure fat would start to gain weight at something like 8,000 calories a day. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know, I just I just found that amazing. And, 
it's, it's a point to add to this. I mean, basically, Spurlock was drinking those enormous soda pops, mm-hmm. and he was getting the kind with the sugar in it. Now, he's supposed to try everything off of the menu, so I don't know. Maybe sometimes he ate aspartame. I don't know. But, well, no, that's something they talked about in Fathead, is, is kind of what you described that Lyle McDonald talked about. Exactly. Is yeah. that um, there's good calories and bad calories. There's one of the experts... Uh, that he kept referring to, wrote a book called that. But it's the calories on how many, how much fat that might create or how much weight you might gain. It's not, the calories are not equal. It's it's hugely determined by insulin on whether it's yeah. turned to fat yeah. or not. And so he, he came back to that two or three times during Fathead in a different way from a different angle. But that you, you don't... Um, it's not it he said you know if you're eating excess calories that doesn't equal a proportionate amount of pounds it depends on what those calories are coming from right right he made a he made a big point about that yeah yeah that's true yeah and that was another i think that's another mind bender for people because you know Think of all the Weight Watchers programs that people oh, still right. do and all the calorie counting that people still do. They think it's an even ratio of, okay, this many calories means this many pounds. So, it's, I mean, and, and the other thing is is that it's a, it's a big and complicated space. I mean, you know, a movie that's an hour and 40 minutes is not going to contain the truth. And so I, I think that, there's a lot of truth here. There's a lot of truth in Pollen's work. There's very little truth in Supersize Me. Um, and and it's, it's like, uh, you know, and then on top of that, I think we're barely scratching the surface for what we know. But I think there is a lot to be said for the way things were done before when it did work well for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, anything else? Nope. I, I think we covered a lot of the movie. You think so, too. All right, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permeter.com where we talk about good nutrition, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. <laughs>